Little Passports offers globally inspired, award-winning kits designed for curious kids to fuel their inner explorer. Whether building a solar-powered robot or creating a Spanish mosaic, kids ages 3 to 10 will love learning with Little Passports. Little Passports is offering new customers 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com AMR. Get to know your loved ones better and preserve those special moments forever with StoryWorth. Save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com AMR. Get the support you need from our partner Handful, the maker of our favorite sports bras. Choose from seven styles of bras in an array of colors, including glorious new spring options. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HandfulAMR15. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined in studio by Molly Williams. Hello. Hello, hello. Good to see you, Sarah. Yes, yes. I am a little hopped up. I'm not going to lie. Fresh off driving back from Central Oregon, mm. checking out possible 2023 retreat locations. Mm. And not only am I excited by what I found, but driving through whiteout conditions. Oh, boy. Because like, all that rain down here is snow up there, huh? It's snow, heavy snow <laughs> in your face in your car's face um, and you need to remind everybody we don't salt the roads <laughs> yes uh for How a, was it for a little while um i was the third car behind i think it was a snow plow maybe it was putting down kind of brownish dirt is that dirt they throw on the road here gravel maybe i don't know mm. so um but you know and i was at an el- i got to an elevation a little over four thousand feet mm-hmm. so you know and we're here at 63 mm-hmm. feet mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was snow there there so it was yes and i uh stopped um at a rest area to pee at right near um timberline lodge mm-hmm. and oh it was snowing hard um well, yeah and were people driving safely or um yeah around? T- t- too conservatively for my money mm. oh and of course there was a wide load uh, so it's like, really, really, today's the day you decide to bring half of a home on the back of a flatbed truck. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so uh, I think I have a little adrenaline going through me. So, oh. well, good. Yeah. I saw in our weather thing that there was even a chance of a small tornado today. Small tornado. Oh, yeah. when I was in when a I was... small, weak tornado. Yes. Okay. When I was out in central Oregon. I heard they said we could have up to an inch of hail, mm-hmm. a small tornado and something else i'm like really that's what i'm heading toward yeah and no you know it was snow but i mean it's not even raining here now not anymore that's the calm before the small tornado (laughs) we're gonna get in oregon when we get a tornado it's a garbage can gets blown over you know (laughs) it did take out that boathouse at one time up um yeah that's about about as exciting as it gets yeah (laughs) right some porch furniture slid into the neighbor's yard Call oh. FEMA. Get, get him out here. <laughs> we laugh in the face of no, natural have, there, disasters. Yeah, there have been some some more significant tornadoes. Yes. But yeah. yeah, I mean, we're laughing now. We're just waiting for the big one. <laughs> right, right. But hopefully, all this uh, need pers- precipitation means fewer wildfires this summer. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yes. I hope so. Yeah, I hope mm-hmm. so too. I mean, we had our one and only snow day for Portland Public Schools last Monday, mm-hmm. so that was. I don't know, a- April 11th. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the? That's the only time there's been uh, recorded snow in April uh, in more than 82 years since they've been keeping records. Mm-hmm. 
Also, why have they only been keeping records for 82 years? Like, that doesn't seem all that... There wasn't anybody here before that. (laughs) For for someone whose parents lived into their 90s, that doesn't seem like very long ago. No, no, yeah, you're right. Um, Oh, my goodness. So we are still hobbling along together. Uh, Yeah, we sure are. Doing social Uh, things, not running or or even walking. How's, How's your back? Um, oh my, oh, my new thing for my back to do is to have basically seizures mm. so that it, I mean, it's sudden, shocking, and it almost paralyzes my, my back. It's like, a new trick for it, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was um, out in Central Oregon. There's a lovely Olympic-sized pool. And that's, you know, mm. oh, I just love an Olympic-sized pool. Particularly, I got to swim long course, which mm. means you swim 50 meters, mm-hmm. the length of the pool. And so I was getting, I woke up and it felt kind of tight and it was doing a little twang, twang, twangy thing. And this is mid back. This has nothing to do with where the bulging disc supposedly was. And I go to get in my car and suddenly I was seized with, seized so badly. I I, I actually had to try to get in the car a couple times because Mm. I couldn't bend to get into the car. Mm. Um, So anyway, but then I, um, tried to relax a whole lot more and so far today it felt pretty good okay but, but um but your knee is not cooperating i guess i went too hard on my physical therapy and everything just got way worse all of a sudden it just blew up it's all swollen <clears throat> can't bend it very well i can't ride a bike i can't do anything but uh, it is getting better and today i had acupuncture and oh. I've, I've had quite a bit of relief just from that session I'm, you know we'll see oh, how long it lasts awesome. yeah uh-huh. so it's just you know one day at a time and i'm just gonna have to scale back and just try to then push forward again mm-hmm. i'm gonna get a new replacement in january so all i gotta do is kind of try to keep the pain down until i get get to yeah. that point yeah and uh maybe i mean we had talked about starting to swim in mid-may but with the cold weather we've mm-hmm. been having <laughs> Well, I'm thinking, you know, since I can't really walk or really do anything else, I'm thinking I might start going to the pool on a more regular basis. And I kind of uh, hate swimming. So uh, that's desperate times right there, buddy. <laughs> but you know, if you go with me, then we have the drive to talk. Well, that's nice. But, you know, I think I might have to just go to our local pool to get uh, in. A, get, I know you don't, li- to, you don't uh, like that pool. Uh, yeah. Or as Molly would say, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... It, not that bad you can't uh-huh. leave anything in the locker room oh. you don't want to touch anything <laughs> but, but other there's, than a, that... there's enough chlorine in that pool to just kill anything <laughs> covid doesn't stand a chance <laughs> the best story we've heard of this is this is a nc17 story that there was supposedly yeah we've certainly shared this story before you and me that there were supposedly a couple copulating in the pool and the lifeguard said uh you can't do that and they just looked at the lifeguard and kept doing their business yeah i believe it yeah yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah and it wasn't teenagers uh- uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> at least get a locker room people uh-huh. get a locker room <laughs> uh, you know parks and recs for everybody <laughs> <laughs> portland's such a wonderful place come out and visit us <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, that leads right into it being a TMI kind of podcast Uh Um, and kind of the right region as well, because uh, our guest is Jenny Draper, MD, a board certified obstetrician gynecologist at Virginia Physicians for Women. So Dr. Draper competed her first Ironman triathlon in November, 2017. I have to find out. We have to find out whether she's done another one since then and has run several marathons. 
Her most recent athletic exploit, which I'm excited to hear about, is hiking to the base camp of Mount Everest this spring. How exciting. I mean, what have we done this spring? <laughs> Watched a lot of Netflix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so we brought um, Dr. Draper on board to talk about any and all TMI topics related to lady parts, reproductive health, hormones, periods, peeing, you name it. Molly and I will ask Dr. Draper your Facebook questions after this break. Stay with us. Being injured for two months and swimming instead of running and strength training, my fitness gear gathered some dust. So it was with great delight that I pulled on a handful Wyback bra, tights, and a tank top to strength train with Brittany last week. Woohoo! During a warm-up walk, then lifting, I was reminded why I ditched all my old sports bras and now only wear handful bras. The fit, the feel, and the profile of handful. All handful bras are made from smooth, quick-dry fabric that offers the perfect amount of stretch. They also all have removable pads, which I, as a perma-headlight gal, appreciate the modesty. But if pads aren't your thing, they're easily removed. More about Handful's fit. The bra's wide band and straps provide excellent support, while the Y-back design on my favorite style keeps those straps securely in place. As it's Earth Day, I want to give a shout out that Handful products are made of eco-friendly recycled polyester. The Wyback is one of seven styles of bras Handful makes in an array of colors, including several new shades for spring and summer. So pretty. Follow my lead and fall in love with Handful bras. Save 15% at Handful.com with promo code HandfulAMR15. Again, that 15% code is HandfulAMR15 at Handful.com. There's a giant mess in my playroom right now, but I'm telling you, I don't mind. Know why? Because that mess is filled with the fun activities, games, and props that come with Little Passports. My kids are always searching for something new to do, and Little Passports brings a variety of fun and educational activities straight to our door. And we as parents, we're always searching for something our kids will love that will expand their horizons while they play. With Little Passports, you'll have the best of both worlds. When the Little Passports box arrives, naturally my kids fight over who gets to carry it inside, who gets to open it, but then they come together to dig right in and the adventure begins. One day over spring break, my seven-year-old was on a global adventure, my five-year-old was fishing with a little wooden game, and my 12-year-old was making a volcano. I'm telling you, as a parent, there's nothing better than watching your child's imagination take flight as they discover the wonders of the world. Little Passports offers globally inspired, award-winning kits designed for curious kids to fuel their inner explorer. Each month, Little Passports will send a kit packed with play-based activities, interactive crafts, puzzles, games, and stories to help kids have fun while they learn about the world around them. Each kit contains activities that are perfect for their age and match to their interests. You can choose from a month-to-month, six-month, or 12-month subscription, whichever is right for you, and you can stop at any time. Share the world with your little explorers. With Little Passports, there's always something new to discover. For the listeners of the show, Little Passports is offering new customers 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com slash AMR. That's 20% off when you go to littlepassports.com slash AMR. Seeing my mom every single day, I thought I knew her pretty well. And then one day we were chatting, and I heard a story I've never heard before. So that got me wondering, how many other stories don't I know? And that's why I got StoryWorth. StoryWorth is offering $10 off your first purchase at storyworth.com slash AMR. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories. Each week, StoryWorth emails a thought-provoking question from a vast pool of options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of. These questions fill your curiosity, like what was your childhood nickname? 
What was the first concert you attended? Or what was your childhood bedroom like? Speaking of, I learned that my mother's bedroom overlooked an alley, was big enough only for a bed and a dresser, had no air conditioning, and that she was in that room until she was married. I've really enjoyed reading my mom's answers to all of the questions. I've discovered stories and memories I've never heard about and learned new things about stories I thought I really knew. After one year, StoryWorth compiles all those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share. I can't wait to read this book with my children to learn more about Grandma, besides her being the person who always brings them gifts and has a pantry full of candy. Give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, for a limited time, you'll save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com AMR. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash A-M-R to save $10 on your first purchase. Storyworth.com slash A-M-R. All right. Welcome, Dr. Draper. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us at the end of a workday. I want to know, is it okay if we call you Jenny? Yes, please. Very, very good. And um, we are going to break your um, podcast hymen. I hear this is your first podcast. It is my first podcast. I'm so glad you found me on the internet so I can I can launch into this today. <laughs> the way all great relationships start on the internet. <laughs> oh, is it up to me? Okay, sorry. All right. <laughs> they, they, they do a lot of editing, sorry. <laughs> but you're supposed to do this other part. Okay, all right. I, I laugh a lot, so the, the, right. I, I think this will just continue. Okay. okay. <laughs> Good, good. Uh, all right. Well, um, welcome to the podcast, uh, Jenny. And uh, I wanted to ask you about your athletic background. I see that you have done uh, some, an Ironman, several marathons, and you've recently decided to hike to the base count camp of Mount Everest in Nepal. Right. I grew up uh, playing sports and then in college, kind of changed paths and instead of really participating was actually an athletic training major. So I've always loved sports and um, exercise and all of that. And then went on to med school and residency and kind of, you know, along the way fell out of the habit of working out. And so the very last year of residency, I decided it was really time to take control over my fitness and my wellness. And so right before my 30th birthday in 2010, I ran my first half marathon and just got the bug from there. Um, I ran that first one training like only up to five miles <laughs> and worked a night shift delivering babies afterwards oh my gosh. Um, and could barely walk. So that was the time I had. And um, since then, you know, came to Richmond, Virginia in 2011 to start private practice and have run a bunch of marathons since and a couple 50 Ks and then wow. somewhere around 2015 got into triathlons and I did one full Ironman in Florida and had a second um, one that I missed the bike cutoff just by a couple miles. So oh. I probably will go back for another Ironman at some point, mm -hmm. but it is a lot of time with training. Yeah. Um, but yes, it was a challenge one. And so I don't feel badly about it. It's, it, 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 I will, I will try again, but that was up at Lake Placid. Wow. Oh, Lake Placid. That, um, that's a hilly bike course, isn't it? <laughs> that was, that was hilly and Richmond, uh, well, at least where I live is, um, flat. So 
Um, It was a good bike challenge for me. I was very close, but um, we'll try again. But that Mm -hmm. was uh, 2019, right before the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so I took a little break from that. And then I have gotten a big interest in mountaineering. And Mm -hmm. so just did a trek up to um, Everest Base Camp last month. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. It was life changing. I think the mountains are a whole different challenge and how you can push yourself to higher altitude. And uh, now I'm signed up to come out West in the fall to do a mountaineering uh, class. Oh, right. Right. On um, uh, up near Seattle, on near right here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're going to do a course and then climb it. Yeah. I think around Mount Baker. I just signed up like last week for this. Oh, yeah. So now I'm working on some strength training. I know. I, I jump around some. Jeez, where do you I like find to the, try it all. You, where do you find the time? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I'm high energy and uh, I don't know, never like to sit still. Wow, so, and good. there are definitely weeks I have where I don't train at all because I deliver a million babies and then other weeks, you know, I fit in a lot more workout. So uh-huh. it, it varies. I struggle too, but I'm single. I don't have children. So I have a little bit more flexibility with my off hours. Uh-huh. what do you think of your Nepali track? Was that fun? Oh, it was amazing. We lucked out because um, the track has been basically closed since COVID. So there oh. haven't been that many people out there and we timed it just before really trekking season starts or before Mm. base camp set up. And Mm -hmm. so our group of 18 plus our guides, um, both from the U S and our Nepalese guides, we really, the whole first week didn't run into any other tourists. Wow. We had the place ourselves. So it's just super peaceful and, um, really spectacular and a good challenge. And the Nepalese people are just really kind Mm-hmm. Um, so it was great. I got some altitude sickness at the very top at like 16,000 feet and, mm. um, waited it out a little while my oxygen came back out of the sixties, but <laughs> everything wow. was fine. I felt fine. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And do you think so, you'll, do you now want to go back to the Himalayas? Yes. I, I want to go back there. I want to, um, I've done some trekking down in South America and I want to go mm. back down there. So mm-hmm. there's, there's so many places I want to see. I don't know that I need to do base camp again per se, like, mm-hmm. you know, right away, but there are certainly other opportunities mm-hmm. um, over in the Himalayas. Yeah. Just yeah. so much to see. It was just very powerful. Wow. Do you well, want to climb Mount Everest? I, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to, I want to live for a long yeah. time. <laughs> so yeah. not, not right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, yeah. I just finished a book about a woman who climbed Mount Everest. It's called in the shadow of the mountain. She talks, she took a group of girls that were all, um, sexual abuse survivors to base camp. And she talks about her trek up there and the place, the villages they stopped in the blessings. And it just, it was mm. quite a transportive book. Mm. It sounds oh, amazing. I'll have to look at that one. Mm-hmm. And then she yeah, goes on to just, climb Mount um, Everest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The people that, that do that and, and walking through um, Memorial Park where there are monuments to honor the people that have lost their lives on Everest and, mm-hmm. and those goals that those people had um, is just really powerful. Mm. So I haven't ruled anything out, but, um, but not to summit right now. 
Mm -hmm. I need some more skills first. Yeah. (laughs) One step at a time. One step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And a little bit more vacation time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, let's move on to TMI topics. Um, We got these from our Facebook page and I tried to divide them into kind of loose topics. So let's ease into things with ones related to peeing. Okay. Roberta asks, she says, I'm a four-year post-menopause mom of three. Youngest is 20 years old. I have a frequent urge to pee, especially when running. Leakage is also a problem. What do you recommend? Well, I think um, peeing, especially with exercise or like jumping, running, anything high impact, but also coughing, sneezing, laughing, um, anything where our abdominal pressure increases is a super common problem that all women deal with, regardless of younger, menopausal, had kids, not had kids. Um, and I think a great starting point is to be evaluated by either a gynecologist or a urogynecologist, someone that did even extra training just to focus on the bladder. Um, because the bladder is actually complicated. And so sometimes there's a combination of problems that need addressed to fix all of the symptoms. It's not just a matter of being at your house and trying to do Kegel exercises. And for some women, Kegel exercises can actually cause more harm. Um, with the patient who is after menopause, part of their bladder symptoms very well could be related to vaginal dryness. Um, we think about vaginal dryness affecting intercourse and lack of lubrication, but the bladder also actually needs more estrogen hormone and stimulation too. Mm. And so some of that urgency she's having may be coming from what we call atrophy, where the tissue's just not quite as plump as it used to be. And Mm. so using a vaginal estrogen replacement might help fix some of that problem the bladder muscle is also just a lot more sensitive. And so being very cautious with um, the bladder irritants we talk about. So you go on a kind of a bladder friendly diet. So really mm-hmm. monitoring intake of caffeine, um, even diet coffees and teas can still be pretty irritating to the bladder, mm-hmm. um, alcohol, any kind of acidic fruits or juices. Um, so those, that would be a starting point, um, to see if that helps decrease that urge. There's also medication that can help with that, but you always want to kind of look at the, um, the diet changes first. And then if she got that part better and also decreased the irritation to the bladder, it may help some with the leaking, but Mm. to get evaluated by a specialist and what, what the urogynecologist does is actually test the bladder. So they evaluate how the bladder muscle is holding in the urine and how well you're emptying it and then can sort of problem solve what will do best um, as far as fixing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you suggest that women going into menopause or or early menopause start um, an estrogen cream to try to keep from developing vaginal atrophy or does it make any difference if you, you know, do it later? No, you can always, um, you want to be very mindful of the symptoms to look for. I see a lot of people that I think just didn't speak up or waited a while. And of course, with COVID, we saw a lot of delay in people seeking care. Mm -hmm. And so then it takes more effort to kind of reverse that effect. Um, You don't necessarily need to use the vaginal estrogen 
as sort of a preventative thing. And there's also some women can't use estrogen or prefer not to use um, a medication. Vaginal estrogen products come in different formats too. So sometimes it's a little bit of a trial and error what what suits the patient best. It comes in a cream, it comes in a ring, it comes in little tablets that dissolve. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other products too that aren't hormonal, like Replens is a natural vaginal moisturizer that's over the counter. Mm. Um, and also women that are more sexually active and maintain that stimulation, that also helps your body kind of replenish itself. It's not producing mm. more estrogen, but it's definitely the... The vaginal muscle is a use it or lose it kind of muscle too. Interesting. So really being mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, talk talk a little bit yeah. more about that. So it's so it's the it's the muscle. It's not like it does it. It's not um, somehow um, like I don't know getting exposed to sperm or something like that. Like that. I know nothing about medicine, by the way. Um, uh, talk a little bit <laughs> more okay. about that before I embarrass myself further. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fine. So um, the. You know, the vagina is made up of a lot of different muscles that are all working together. Um, Estrogen is the hormone that helps with some of the natural kind of lubrication and the architecture to the tissue, makes it kind of plumper, um, for lack of another word. And so when we lose our estrogen with menopause, then the tissue is drying out. So it's, it's thin, it's more prone to irritation, um, and the same just for the skin in general, estrogen really helps with that. And so with menopause, you're losing a little bit of it. So there are um, over-the-counter products that help moisturize the vagina better than other things. You definitely want to avoid any kind of scented um, products. That's the same for this woman that's having the urgency, you know, no scented soaps or laundry detergents that can make things worse also. Mm. Um, and so you want everything that you're utilizing to moisturize the vagina. So estrogen is what hormone the body needs. And the more you start using it, um, then the body doesn't need to absorb as much of it because now you're getting your um, vaginal tissue back to kind of where it was before. Mm. Um, and then the, you know, intercourse increases blood flow to the vagina. It helps increase um, its natural um, moisturizing. And then there are also specifically with like vaginal dryness related to sex, definitely different lubricants that are better for the vaginal tissue that actually help increase the moisture as opposed to drying things out. So mm-hmm. things are not all made made the same. Are there any um, lubricants t- uh, that you would recommend being used during sex? Um, you ones? can use... Well, there's coconut oil. You can mm-hmm. actually use that as a daily moisturizer, like from the kitchen. Mm-hmm. You can use, use there's a, a product jar. called Good. <laughs> <laughs> a different, I, I do. I recommend that a different jar. There's a product called Good Clean Love um, that makes a natural um, moisturizer. That one's recommended by a physical therapist um, I work with here in town. Um, so there's, there's several different, um, options, but you want one that really increases, um, moisture and helps retain that as opposed to drying it out. Silicone based lubricants last longer. So those are better too. Oh, okay. And if you don't have a, a partner that's up for the task, uh, find a mechanical partner, right? Correct. Yes. Keep it, keep that, it going. That all achieves the job as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. So especially if someone's between, between partners or, um, 
you know, that definitely can help. But also old. the, uh-huh. Yeah, men get old too. They got their own set of problems. So, you know, <laughs> everybody needs a little help now and it then. Does, it all happens sort of like at the yeah. same time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, no, self-stimulation um, is also really important to help to help maintain maintain that tissue because also as it gets drier the um you can get some adhesions to the vagina and and other problems but it it should definitely be something that patients are comfortable speaking up to their gynecologist and are definitely things that can be very very fixable Mm -hmm. and it's interesting that you the intercourse would be tied and your vagina would be tied to your bladder and that's that's nice that you're making that connection you need to keep everything right, right. happy, you know, not just the one thing that both of them have to do. Yeah. And then label your coconut oil so those eggs don't taste funny in the morning. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Mom, yeah, they, there's something a little different today. Fish sauce? <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend that used um, uh, yogurt, you know, as uh, on her vagina for yeast infections. Uh -huh. <laughs> She'd just be like, right. make sure you don't wear that it's in the back i'm like okay <laughs> a little chunky that one we'll stay away <laughs> okay right and then then the other thing too is like it's a lifelong you know menopause you've lost your estrogen so i think a lot of patients all have you know, come, we fix a problem. And then the next year they're like, well, it's, it's not working. And I'm like, well, were you, are you still using that, the estrogen cream? No, I stopped it, fixed the problem. But oh, like mm -hmm. the, the loss of estrogen is permanent, unfortunately. And so mm -hmm. it's something, you know, that it's just a new phase of life and you just have to maintain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. So this one is from Lucinda. Is there anything that can be done to prevent a drop in hormones while training? It is, is it tied to anything specific? While training and testing hormone levels in an attempt to conceive, I noticed that easy long runs at eight to 10 miles or intense runs, even a 5k race would cause my estrogen to drop and jeopardize the chance of conceiving. So I, um, with this question, it would be interesting to know exactly how she's aware her hormones drop. So I'm not sure if she means like she's not getting mm -hmm. a cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, we definitely see this, you know, and everybody's body is different and what defines kind of overtraining or increased mileage for them. But for women who are training at a higher intensity and their periods go away, um, there is a term now, you know, relative energy deficiency in sport or RED, um, hyphen S. And so that we used to talk about, oh, women had a disordered um, eating pattern and their periods went away. And we called that the female athlete triad. But now that we understand more about exercise and more women are in sports, it's really probably a, a, you know, a whole set of things that can kind of cascade. But a lot of it does come back to nutrition and supporting the running that you're doing. And so I think if she's noticing lighter periods or less frequent periods, you know, one to certainly see her gynecologist and have hormones checked very specifically during her cycle to kind of see what, what is often is she's still ovulating to help her get pregnant, but to consider seeing a dietitian that specializes in women and in athletes 
to make sure that she's supporting her body with enough protein and carbohydrate balance to continue to be able to still have a period during that training. Mm -hmm. Hearing you say that makes me think that people need to perhaps seek out specialists for some of these things. Like you mentioned, um, I'm going to butcher the name, but the urogynecologist. The urogynecologist. Yeah, or Mm -hmm. this, you know, a a nutritionist or dietitian who specializes in athletes and, you know, female reproduction, that sort of thing, that that it sounds like you might advise some digging around, maybe asking your your main provider for a, um, a recommendation that can really help with what might be kind of a specific problem. Right. I think, um, I think your care should really be a team approach. And Mm. so certainly your gynecologist with all of these topics that we're talking about is a great point person, Mm -hmm. but, um, especially if you are looking at evaluation that's, that is done by a specific urogynecologist, there's a lot of things that I'll start with. Mm -hmm. And then if we're not making progress or someone's looking to maybe needing, um, a small outpatient surgery to fix like the stress incontinence, that's where you're leaking with laughing and coughing and sneezing. Mm -hmm. I also always recommend, I mean, less is better, right? So if someone doesn't need prescription medicine and we can fix things with nutrition, Mm -hmm. So I got a follow-up question on that, Jenny. Um, Would there be any benefit to like not running around the time of ovulation so she can conceive or doing lighter workouts around the time of ovulation or would that make no difference? No, it wouldn't necessarily make any difference because the menstrual cycle is complicated and not complicated at the same Mm -hmm. time. But I think if this particular person feels like the hormones are dropping, I think she means that overall her cycle pattern has changed. And so it wouldn't be specific to just the day of ovulation, but more sort of the overall picture and how to support her um, nutritional needs to support her hormone production. So, you know, increasing healthy fats is one option. And if she's not able to get the nutritional support in to kind of change the cycles, then then maybe to overall decrease the volume or the intensity. Um, but, you know, certainly I, I encourage people to continue doing what, what it is that, that they love without having to modify that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we touched on periods in that answer. So let's move on to questions that deal with periods and cycles, because we got a few of those from our Facebook audience. So Denise asks, any tips for reducing the impact of a period flood on race day? Speaking of uh, natural disasters, Molly. Yep. Um, uh, she, uh, Denise says she uses a cup but can get sudden flow increases while running. She says she hates hates to stop, though, even mentally. So how can we keep Denise from, um, you know, having a flood? Her cup runneth over. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, not not convenient. (laughs) (laughs) No, our periods are not not convenient. And um, inevitably, I think when you wish it not to happen, that's when it it does, right? Um, I think if she is more prone to heavier periods, there's lots of different options to help reduce someone's flow or even eliminate their period. Um, And I know everyone feels differently on that topic, but it's certainly safe to skip periods or to reduce them. Um, There is a non-hormonal medication uh, called Listata that a patient can take just on the heavy flow days. Um, So it's 
It's a pill, non-hormonal, so it could even be something that she doesn't take every single month. But if she knows she particularly has heavy periods and it's just worse with exercise, that would be an option Um, to look at some type of birth control. All of those methods are the goal is to decrease flow um, with the pill, the patch, the NuvaRing. They all have the flexibility where instead of taking a week off of those or on your placebo pills, you can just go right into, you know, the next round of it and try Mm -hmm. to skip your cycle altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, And then their progestin only methods of birth control, which would include the the depo shot or the Nexplanon implant, which is a small little bar that goes under the skin of the arm and lasts for three years or one of the progestin IUDs, the intrauterine mm-hmm. device that goes in your uterus, and mm-hmm. all of those options help thin the lining of your uterus so you don't have a period to shed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if her periods are particularly heavy and impacting her ability to, to work out comfortably, those would be some things to look at. And of course, after being evaluated to make sure that there isn't some you know, problem that would be fixed other ways. Um, as far as her uterus goes, or does she have a polyp or a fibroid or something anatomical that needs addressed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wasn't it great? Now you don't have to have a period. Back in the day. I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't, I mean, I certainly respect everybody's decision. And of course, there's a lot of people that, that feel, you know, more, it, it is how we were born to have periods and mm-hmm. more natural that way. And of course, if someone's actively trying to get pregnant, then they wouldn't want to, um, you know, they can't be on birth control, but I, I think it is just amazing that you can skip your period or not have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new world. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> none, none of my girls get their period. It, it was, you know, it's interesting, you know, cause like I would expect with three daughters, you know, everybody be menstruating. Nope. Nobody menstruates, you know, they're all, they all got it taken care of and all doing just fine. <laughs> I've got maybe my your le- house is calmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I've got all these leftover pads and stuff, you know, and now I'm just collecting dust. And anyway, all right. <laughs> Andrea. Asked, no period. And then right into menopause. It's oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that question is coming up. Yeah. Um, and, Andrea asks, on day two of my period, very heavy day, I feel pressure and heaviness in my whole pelvic area. I'm getting worried that race day will be day two, so her heavy day. What can I do about pain heaviness on that day? Um, One option would be to start taking an uh, anti-inflammatory medication like ibuprofen 48 hours before she anticipates her period to start um, by by starting that ahead of the period coming can help reduce cramps ahead of time. Mm. Um, and then the other thing too, is if she's having a lot of pressure during her period to make sure she's been evaluated, um, to see if she has prolapse where the uterus is dropping. And then during the period as it's heavier and the blood flow is coming, maybe that's more, she has more symptoms during her cycle. Mm. Um, but for someone that has like prolapse that you can see a physical therapist to work on your pelvic floor muscles to see if, um, you can reduce some of those pressure feelings, or there's also, um, what's called a pessary. And sometimes Mm -hmm. 
um, it kind of looks like they come in different shapes and they have to be fitted for each woman's, you know, particular vaginal anatomy. But uh, one of the more common ones we use kind of looks like a donut, like a rubber donut, and it sits inside the vagina and it helps kind of lift up on the uterus and the cervix. And, and for women with bladder prolapse too, prolapse is just the weakening of those vaginal um, muscles can help kind of lift it back up in place. And so depending on what is contributing to the heaviness, um, if it happens to be prolapse, that might be something that could help it. Mm -hmm. um, but also if her periods are getting worse and she's feeling more pressure or pain, she should be evaluated. Fibroid tumors are benign muscle tumors of the uterus, very common um, in women. The number one reason women have hysterectomies in the U.S., but those make the uterus larger and heavier and increase blood flow. And so, and there, there are other treatment options, not just jumping all the way to a hysterectomy and taking out the mm -hmm. uterus, but it sounds like something that, that she should definitely be evaluated for to see if there's something specific to be fixed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I love you saying pessary because it's like, you know, from a Jane Austen novel or something. It's, it's you know, like old time. I don't think they use those in Jane Austen. <laughs> Maybe not Jane. They're definitely an old timey word. I mean, are they? Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah, yeah. How, how are they using we, we still use them. <laughs> Were they using the pessaries in that time? I think so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What do you, what do you think, Jenny? I think she's crazy. Were they? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if I read those books. <laughs> and what, what the heck would they be putting up there back in the day? <laughs> that little wooden thing I don't want to know what it was, yes. <laughs> what it was yes. um, all right so well <laughs> we're gonna move on so your uh, history is is sketchy i don't know as well as my science yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so so andrea's question touched upon you know racing on your period so I know that, you know, women get anxious about that, but then there's also talk of, you know, oh no, you're more powerful, you know, when you're having your period. I don't know. Like, could you just talk a little bit, Jenny, about, you know, having your period on race day? Right. I, um, I think the person who is doing a lot of great research on that is Stacy Sims. Yeah. Um, and her, you know, motto or her tagline, I guess, is women are not small men. Mm -hmm. And so she's been doing tons of great research on the physiology of periods and how to, you know, align your training with your cycles. But a lot of her data shows that that women actually might be more powerful on their period because that's mm -hmm. when some of your hormones are coming back lower and, um, you know, it's the, the PMS symptoms have kind of abated when mm -hmm. your period starts. So it actually might be a great time. Some yeah. of the physiology shows that your um, overall body temperature is cooled a little bit during that time. So maybe you have better, you know, cardiac response. But she has a great book that really goes into depth with that. And then I think, too, just being mindful of where you are in your cycle and really increasing um, hydration during your period. If you're someone with really heavy cycles to make sure you're supplementing with um, iron to help, you know, reduce fatigue if you're anemic from the blood loss. Um, you know, focused on rest, increasing your carbohydrates. You know, a lot of people with the PMS symptoms and going in the period have all sorts of sugar cravings or salt cravings. And 
you know, I think the body kind of tells you what it, what it needs, but Uh I think, you know, mentally, you know, it is what it is. You have a period every month and, and to not mentally let that impact, you know, how your race day is, is going to go just come prepared with whatever you need, Uh um, for race day, but it doesn't have to be a deterrent or necessarily at all a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's on birth control pills, should they maybe go to the, take that week off during that week to have a change in hormones to help their race or would it make any difference? Um, you are still mm-hmm. sort of not right. For women that are on the pill within mm-hmm. you want to intentionally have your period on race day. Yeah. You mean, I don't know if there's any data that would say that would necessarily give you an advantage or, or not give you an advantage. Okay. I, I think some people, if like you're going out of order where your period belongs, are more prone to breakthrough spotting and, um, you know, it, it just may not have the benefit that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But that would, Stacey Sims should look at that. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, game the system a little bit. Yeah, game the system. Uh Uh-huh. So so Jackie asks, I seem to have a recurring itch in the same spot down there uh, around ovulation. I take a lot of probiotics to try to combat it, but sometimes I still get it. Uh, It seems to be happening at the same time every month. Well, I think she needs more than the probiotic, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But uh, what do you think about that? Well, um, itching, I think a lot of times people are quick to go to maybe it's yeast. And I think that's her idea about increasing her probiotics to see if that um, helps eliminate that. Um, But also around ovulation, if someone's not on birth control, our discharge changes, it increases. That's what is the point is to attract sperm to get pregnant. That's how our physiology is designed. And so if she's having her normal increase in discharge um, and things are just her skin is staying damper, she may be having itching from sort of a dermatitis reaction, almost like a diaper rash. So it's not necessarily yeast Mm -hmm. Um, to be evaluated when she's actually having her symptoms would help her gynecologist be able to kind of, you know, sort out what is happening. And so you can always send off a yeast culture and then prove, is there yeast there or not? Mm -hmm. And if there's not, then to do some other skincare things that might decrease um, the itching or the hormone response uh, that's happening at that time of month. So like one um, thing she could try would be to use a Vaseline or Aquaphor as kind of a skin barrier so that she can protect her skin if it's if there's an increase in the discharge happening. Um, that would be one starting starting suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she's seeing redness or a rash, it may be she needs treatment for yeast if that's there. Or if it's more of a kind of an allergic reaction, she might benefit from a topical steroid so mm-hmm. to calm down that itching response. So I think to see somebody um, while her symptoms are active would help her sort out what the actual problem is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always the tough thing with 
getting a doctor's visit. Like I feel as soon as I make the appointment, then the symptoms totally clear up. And if she has to do the round right, ovulation. Yeah. 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 Um, right. Our, our practice, you can come to Richmond. We see people the same day. Oh, very Same day wow. problems. Very yes, I know. <laughs> I take pride in that. It's a weird model you've got there. <laughs> come. We'll, we'll see you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So moving on to the, the big topic that um, some of my mother runners want to talk about is um, peri or menopause, perimenopause or menopause itself. So we got a bunch of questions about that. We have... Heather, who says, I'm perimenopausal and lately running spikes my heart rate to insane levels, like 190 to 200 beats per minute for um, a half mile, in, about a half mile into a slow run. That Her cardiologist says um, her heart's fine. Um, and like one said, you know, she's just a runner. So does she have to stop um, running? Um, she doesn't want to, but she's just worried her heart can't take this. Right. I... For the heart rate to just increase because of menopause is not a usual symptom mm -hmm. of perimenopause or menopause. Mm -hmm. So I would recommend her to see somebody else. Mm -hmm. okay, if, if she was normal and didn't have these spikes and then all of a sudden there's been this acute change. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, too, it depends how how thorough the first evaluation was, I think, for her to to pursue like a stress test so they can see what her heart rate is doing in real time mm -hmm. um, might make a difference or to wear a Holter monitor. But certainly to have, you know, labs evaluate it. And I, I think a much a much deeper um, evaluation to get to the bottom of that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But that the heart rate elevations and all of a sudden to go through menopause and have such an impact on your heart rate wouldn't be a normal symptom. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So Christy says, I would like to know about perimenopause signs and what type of exercise are best for when your period is about to show up. The week before my period is worse than the rest of the week since last winter. Yeah, I think um, worse than I, the month. Yeah. Right, right. She um, is, I guess, asking about maybe she just doesn't feel kind of at her prime yeah, that's um, what I think. Yeah. the week before in the PMS. I think we just have to be more mindful of, um, you know, there's that fine balance between, you know, your training regimen, your motivation for it, that there are days you don't feel like doing it, but you do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And times when you're body really just needs more rest. And so, you know, do you utilize those PMS weeks or the week before when you're feeling much more fatigued um, and more irritable and do, you know, less high impact activity or those are the weeks you go on a long walk and, you know, leave your training watch at home and not worry about, you know, time or distance or do more yoga. Um, I think I would, you know, if she's having weeks where it, it really is fluctuating kind of with these these mood changes to to kind of play into that and the mm -hmm. week she feels better to do those as her higher intensity activities. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you go into menopause, do your hormones return to like before you went through puberty or is it a little bit different? It's still different um, because prior to puberty, you know, your 
um, you don't have those same hormone levels that we would as a mature adult and not the same sort of body composition either. So, but, but the period and those changes do seem like they mimic a little bit the erraticness and the irritability and kind of goes out a little bit like it comes in. So, um, it is, it is a wild time. And for some people it's, it's very calm and they don't have many symptoms at all. And there's no fanfare to it. And other people are on a roller coaster for what seems, you know, for several years or, or many years or on a lifelong plan. And so I think menopause is definitely different for everyone, but it typically does improve at some point. Mm -hmm. So those perimenopause changes can certainly start happening several years before the period actually goes away. Um, So for women that are still getting a cycle, they may notice, you know, one month it's lighter, one month maybe they skip, another month Mm -hmm. it's kind of heavier. Um, Hot flashes, night sweats, all of that definitely can disrupt sleep. And then also you have mood irritability, more prone to like some depression and anxiety can can happen during this transition. Um, and then of course, if you're not sleeping, that all plays into a role how we're feeling too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is there anything good about menopause? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a serious know, question. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. You get rid of your period. Yeah, aside from that, you can't get pregnant anymore. (laughs) Right, you can't get pregnant anymore. Um, I I think it's a it's a hard transition, and I think the generation above us, what I'm I'm finding, and they didn't talk about it. And Mm -hmm. I I'm sure that they had symptoms, but it just people were more private. And so I think you know now there's just so much more information and and more things being looked at how we support women going through this? Um, how can we maintain active lifestyles and, you know, race at a level we want to? Um, I actually went through surgical menopause um, a couple years ago, right after I did my like placid Ironman. Mm. I have um, Lynch syndrome, which puts me at increased risk for uterine, ovarian and colon cancer. I inherit it um, genetically, a lot of people are familiar with like the BRCA gene that increases risk for breast and ovarian, but Lynch syndrome actually impacts one in 300 people. Um, and so I chose to go ahead and have a hysterectomy and both my ovaries out to eliminate that risk. So Mm -hmm. I went through menopause abruptly overnight after mm-hmm. coming off of, you know, a year long training for the <laughs> oh, Ironman. And uh-huh. so I know my, my body crashed. <laughs> the surgery yeah, yeah, was easy. The rest of it was hard. And so even as a gynecologist, there was, there's been a whole lot that I didn't know and didn't anticipate for myself. And so, you know, I think I've, I've learned a whole lot and certainly feel like I can help women more now that I've been through this experience, but I I think it was very hard in the beginning, but has definitely gotten better as time has gone on. I Mm. think, you know, my body has now adjusted, but I Mm. I do think, especially when it's abrupt and overnight, that was also not, not at all easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess the physiologic benefit is it's your lower risk for some types of cancer. Once you're no longer producing the estrogen, there's that physiologic benefit. Do you think there's any emotional benefit once you get through it? Like, do people find that they're calmer on the other end, happier on the other end? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you don't have, there's no more once you're, you know, 
we define menopause, I think, has always been a kind of confusing term, too. We, we define being postmenopausal all simply based on the period. So once someone has gone one year without their cycle, they're considered postmenopausal and they should never bleed again. But, but menopause then is this permanent, you know, state you're in as, as with regard to your reproductive health. But I do think once your hormones are all done with this monthly roller coaster, um, you don't have the PMS symptoms and the unpredictability and all of that. It, it, your hormones are in this calmer state. But then, you know, for some women with what symptoms they're having, that that can be managed um, by medicine or by lifestyle changes um, and all of that to to support them. And then at some point, those symptoms kind of go away, and and you just are, and and then there's no more no more reproductive changes. You're mm -hmm. <laughs> you're on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's inevitable, right? Yeah, yeah. well, the, the alternative is worse. <laughs> yeah, the alternative is worse. Uh -huh. Yeah, although, you, I don't know, these women that have babies in their, you know, that they, they've they gone through menopause and they have babies, do they have all those symptoms again then when they're done having their babies or is that different? You know, like Janet Jackson? Um, if <laughs> well, <laughs> she was no, she was up there. Uh, I think there's right, other explanations I, for how they how the, how those people have babies. Well, no, but she had she carried a baby, didn't she? Oh yeah, but I think I think um, I don't mean to speculate on all celebrities or Janet Jackson in particular, but I think a lot of those people have d used donor egg. Well, of course, that's yeah, what yeah. I'm talking. But they oh, but they saying, are right, but they are pregnant. Right. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. And they've got they're all those. They're pregnant, so they ha they have pregnancy hormones. But in order to get their uterus in a state to carry the pregnancy, they artificially need to be given hormones to mm. put them back in a state where they build up a lining to their uterus to you know, to have an embryo implanted. Mm -hmm. um, and then once, you know, then the pregnancy is helping produce hormones um, and supporting the pregnancy once you're kind of out of the first trimester. Um, and then after you have the baby, you're, you're still in menopause. So okay. once your pregnancy hormones are gone, you're, you're just back to where you were. Just back to where you were. All right. Okay. Not um, that I'm planning on doing that or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't get to like, start, you don't, you don't start over. You don't like go back okay. to periods or anything. All yeah. Right. Not, not, I don't think many people are, are, you know, approaching reproduction that way, but it, it's amazing that we can do that. Right. It is. I don't think it's long before we start getting men pregnant somehow. Uh, I, I don't know. I just see it. I just see it. Like, you know, implanting on their omentum or something like that, like creating a false uterus. I mean, men always want to be in on the game. They're going to find a way. They're going to find a way. They to do. And I mean, we're transplanting us. uteruses now. Right. Right. I yeah, didn't know that. Yes. We need to hear about this then. <laughs> yes. There, there are, um, it is, I don't know, in the last couple of years, the, the technology has looked at um, transplanting a uterus for the purpose for someone to carry a baby. And then um, typically after that happens and the person has delivered, they take the uterus back out and, because and, you don't oh. need it like if you've received a heart transplant. So they could do that right. in the man. Still very, and uh, very trans... in early and are, stages. Yeah. And right. are these for trans women to be able to carry babies? Or are these for perhaps young women who had their uterus removed at an early age because of like, you know, cancer or something like that? Right. Right. The latter. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. And I just have to say <laughs> that, um, uh, Jenny, I told you ahead of time, I'm like, Molly can sometimes like throw a curveball <laughs> and you never know where it's going to come. And I didn't see the Janet Jackson and the <laughs> men getting no, pregnant. I, so. I, I, so she saved it at the end of the prepare. podcast. I was like, this is right. I was like, this is going to be, this is going to be really fun. I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. Strap in because Molly's the co-host. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, you've right. got questions going around in your head. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh. So, now, now Sarah can carry my grandchildren if my kids can't have babies. I can, I can reactivate her uterus and those childbearing hips. Oh my, <laughs> my, my daughters will be very excited about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. All right. So, so final question, perhaps this is final prepared question. I don't know what Molly's got in store for us, but um, <laughs> from the Facebook page, Joyce asks, how does menopause impact running and is is there anything I should be doing differently now that I've reached a new era and added some menopounds, which was a new phrase, <laughs> new phrase for me. So um, I, I like it. I, I struggle with that myself. Um, I think with menopause, you definitely have to focus more on the strength training. Um, and the more we build muscle, the more efficient our bodies are with our metabolism and, you know, support our running. So I do think that you have to change your approach to training a little bit, um, add in some strength training and, and be more mindful that you may need extra recovery time or rest and to really increase the, um, the protein in your diet to support muscle building and recovery. Mm. All right. Okay, well, that was a succinct answer without much laughter. And it seems, you know, now we're on kind of a denouement <laughs> after Molly's thing. So. <laughs> well, well, we got to remember that they got to continue with the vaginal exercises. Yeah. Set aside, you know, right, put that right. on the calendar too, right. you know? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Have your little eggplant yeah. in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Keep those going. <laughs> That'll be a, yeah, a more... sticker we can have. Scratch that itch. Yeah. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Jenny, thank you for um, answering our questions and laughing along with us. You've been a real sport on this. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. This has been super fun. Thank you for having me. Good, good. And um, best of luck on your um, trek out here in the Pacific Northwest. That's going to be exciting on Mount Baker. Yeah. Mount yeah. Baker is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, and Bellingham you. is really pretty. You'll probably go through there. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, exactly. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Well, Molly, thank you for bringing your authentic self to the podcast. Oh, oh my pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> she was great. What she, an amazing she, woman. She, yes, 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 yes. I particularly appreciate her candor and um, talking about her situation and um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after she hopped off, we had a little conversation about um, work-life balance and school-life balance. So. And Stacey Abrams' new book coming out. Stacey Sims. Stacey, Stacey Sims. Abrams is running for governor of Georgia. See, yeah. I always get things wrong. All right, there we go. And and it's all about menopause. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so that's what she told us. So I'm going to yeah. now um, hop on trying to get her as a guest. Yeah. So, um, all right, well... 
Um, if you haven't seen it, we have a sale in our store, a big spring cleaning sale. I just went crazy with my the markdowns because I'm the person who makes those decisions and uh, marked down a ton of tank tops and a hoodie or two, some running hats. Um, gosh, I think our joggers, if there's still any left, some t-shirts. So head on over to anothermotherrunner.com and click on the store link and you will find loads of great sale items that you can start wearing um, this spring. Yes. Um, our podcast today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from sounds like pictures. Many happy miles. Mm -hmm.